Welcome back for another episode of Lead with Purpose podcast with me, Shishing Yang, where we talk about purpose, marketing, mindset, and how to launch, grow, and scale a purpose-driven business. Right, today we have Joel Yap with us, the founder of Yap Tech. Um, Joel advises early stage impact tech founders with no tech background, i.e. me. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, in fact, I had a meeting with Joel recently in Sweden when I was visiting. And uh, I think we were supposed to have a coffee for about half an hour, an hour. I was thinking, but we ended up talking for about four or five hours uh, because... Yeah, I, we, yeah, we were talking about a project that I was working on, but we end up talking about entrepreneurship, we end up talking about tech, we're talking about Sweden, all of those wonderful things. So I just really wanted to bring Joel here today to share some of his amazing insights and knowledge in um, how to launch a, a tech or an app in an effective way. So welcome, Joel. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, it was a uh... A real pleasure to have that uh, long meeting in uh, in Sweden and in person because we never get those these days. Yeah, it was a real treat, and we had no idea how uh, how long it'd been going for because it was just pitch black from when we arrived to when we left, wasn't it? Because it was in the middle of the winter in Sweden. So, oh uh, yeah, gotta love a, the Nordic winter. Yeah, no, it was a great, great meeting. So. Um, now, before we start, which is something that I do actually with everybody interview for uh, the podcast is that I ask them about their journey and how um, how their journey and their life got them to where they are, because the, everyone that I speak to are purpose led entrepreneurs. So sometimes um, things that happens in our life kind of feeds back into the things that we end up doing. So um, can you tell us, because you moved around quite a lot, so you've got quite an interesting journey. So would you like to tell us a little bit about that? so that we can get to know you a little bit better for sure yeah a, uh, it's always an interesting one trying to dig into okay how did I end up where I am now <laughs> and it's uh, been a lot of uh, forks in the road and strange decisions um, but I mean my, my parents were uh, kind of working in, in kind of uh, an NGO and, and doing development work in, in Lebanon so when I was about one year old I ended up moving to Lebanon I was there for a number of years, so I grew up, did my primary school there, and uh, um, I guess that would be my earliest kind of encounter with uh, social impact, and uh, and that's kind of uh, stuck with me for for a long time. Um, and then, as I grew older, I moved to Cyprus, so I was there for also a number of years, and and I think from like a, a moment in time, I, I might have shared about this once or twice before. Um, there, there was an event there where I. So Cyprus is a, a divided country. So the mm -hmm. north is occupied by Turkey and, and the south is occupied by Cyprus. Uh, and they've got like a, a border that you can cross over. Um, and and I was walking uh, across that border one day and, and I saw a woman trying to um, probably uh, smuggle themselves across, across mm -hmm. the border um, through these kind of razor wire fences. Um, mm -hmm. And she was there in the middle of this kind of fence with just razor wires everywhere carrying a small child, a baby. And, and uh, um, that's a memory that kind of stuck with me. And, and I don't know what exactly about it, but, you know, there's something in that I think that that's always stood very strong in, and trying to think, okay, what's the, what is going on in someone's life that they would take a child through that? Mm. Uh, and, you know, how can we then help people that are, are in those kind of situations to, to avoid it? Um, mm. So that's uh, been 
probably where I, I started looking at uh, how do we how do we use what time what energies that we have what abilities to to do something good and and uh, that's that's kind of been bringing me towards uh, what I do now. Um, mm -hmm. Okay, so now you are uh, based in Sweden. I am in Stockholm, and I hope you're loving it. I, I was raised in Sweden. For those of you who don't know me that well, so I have um, a soft spot for Sweden and Stockholm. Um, so, um, what got you brought you to Sweden? You were okay. you came back to UK briefly as well, didn't you? And then yeah. you ended up in Sweden. So, what got you there? Yeah. So um, I went to to the UK. I was back there to to do my uh, bachelor's degree. So I was studying um, in <laughs> Scotland, and uh, I did what a lot of people do at university, which is uh, meet girls. <laughs> um, so I, I met a great girl and uh, she was Swedish. Uh, right. And so we've been together now uh, just over five years. And so when we graduated, she thought, hey, I'd like to go back to Sweden. Do you want to join me? Um, which I've, I was slightly nervous about, but I, yeah. I gave it a go. And uh, now three years later, I'm uh, I'm still here, still with her. And uh She's Amazing. been uh, a huge support for me that whole time. So, uh, yeah. so you worked um, for a brief time for Oxfam, is that right? Do I remember that right? Yeah, it was like three or four months uh, here in Sweden. It was. Oh, um, right. Okay, that was in Sweden, was it? Okay. Mm. How was that? Was that did it, did you want to work with Oxfam because of partially the experience you had in Cyprus? Was that related or? Was it just the job that you fell into? I mean, I think there was a couple of things. I was I was a new graduate. I was looking for opportunities. Um, Oxfam has a great reputation in a lot of places for, for trying to do good work. Uh, so they've also got some things associated with their reputation that are not as good, but uh, um, we take it as it comes. So yeah, I think those were big parts was it could do something for a, a charity that was trying to do good in the world. And it was also an opportunity for me to um, get more experience uh, as an individual. So I think uh, those two kind of went hand in hand really well together. Um, yeah. And but that wasn't in tech. So how did you get into tech, uh, which is where you're now? Um, what did that in? A, yeah. What, what, what did that journey look like? I'm just trying like trying to dig what was going on here in Joe's <laughs> life. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I can you like personal. What, what, what did you think at that time? What did you do? Uh, yeah. So how did you get, get into tech? Because it's, is that what you studied, Joe? I don't even know if that's what you studied initially. It is. It is not. So it's, it's actually okay. very, very confusing how I ended up in tech um, mm. in that sense. So I studied economics and international relations. Um, right. You know, and that's kind of going down towards working in NGOs, working in advocacy, things like that was what I was more interested in. Um, but as uh, happened to a lot of us, COVID hit. And uh, so what I was doing with Oxfam had to kind of uh, come to an end. It was a lot of face to face fundraising mm -hmm. um, and no one wants to do face to face uh, <laughs> during lockdowns. Yeah. Um, so so, that, yeah, they downsized the team and I was looking for new opportunities um, and, and I applied to, well, originally I wanted to go into the gaming industry at that point um, mm -hmm. because uh, that sounded like fun. Um, mm -hmm. I'm kind of glad that didn't happen now. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, so I was applying for tech positions uh, and just trying to see what, what way I could get in. And mm -hmm. uh, there was a software development agency uh, out mm -hmm. here that had some openings. So I put in a couple of applications to them and uh, 
they uh, they took me in. So I was doing a lot of uh, project management, working with the design team, working with the development team, uh, and uh, and it was really lucky as well because their values were all about you know building sustainable development goal oriented projects or so something that had a really good impact um, mm. so, so that, that was aligned with your vision of what you wanted to do in a way so um, yeah. even though it was in a different area so can you talk us through I'm just going to dive into the tech areas here because there is so much I want to ask you and I have so much I want to share with uh, our listeners as well in terms of tech because there's quite a lot of us trying to uh, transition or even starting, um, not even transitioning, just beginning to uh, look at different opportunities within tech and how we can launch our businesses or an app or something like that. Uh, so tell us through, talk us through the process that you you use to help, you know, you advise startup techs with, well, not startup techs, startup founders with no tech experience. So what, what, what does that journey look like? Yeah. So, I mean, I focus on the non-technical side, um, even though what I do is is quite applicable to across the board because I had no tech background when I started. And, and so yeah. I I identify with that. I understand there's so many headaches that kind of go in, in with that. And uh, I don't think it should be a barrier. So that's mm-hmm. that's why I, I focus there. Um, and, and for me, the, the first part is all about the users. So it's, it's thinking about, um, you know, is is the problem that we, we think that we know about, is it a big enough problem for, for users? Um, and, and which other key users we would want to be working with at that start? Uh, so I, I always start with, with those two, two elements um, and, and try to, to validate the idea. Um, mm-hmm. And I had a, a friend sent me over something just the other day, um, which was all about how do we kind of improve our validation and, and as we kind of go in the step-by-step method, um, we become more certain of our, that our assumptions are correct. And so then we reduce the risk. And that's a huge part of, of what I do is um, how do we go step-by-step, make sure that what we're assuming at the start still holds true mm-hmm. um, so that we uh, try and get something at the end that people want to pay for, because otherwise it's, it's not particularly helpful for us as a business either. Yeah, and I, I guess it's about reducing that risk, but sometimes um, to develop a new platform is just very costly. And then um, I think it's easy to fall into the trap of let's just put everything into it and then nobody wants it or you haven't promoted it or something. Is that something that you see happens quite a lot, especially with startups? Oh, yeah. that's um, And here I feel a little bit bad when I talk about this because I worked at a software development agency and yeah. uh, not, I always sound, I feel like I sound like I really don't like agencies. <laughs> yeah. But I, I think we discussed this like before. Like don't. <laughs> no. No, I'm, I'm, I'm sure there are some good, really good agencies out there as well. But it, yeah. it's your experience. So yeah. So tell us what happens at the agencies that maybe we, yeah, that they hold secret. <laughs> <laughs> Pulling behind the curtain now. Yeah. Badly, that's what we want to get to. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah. So what, what happens um, when we put too many eggs in our basket, so to speak, um, in terms of launching our tech? Yeah. So from an agency perspective, because I think that's what a lot of people do is, um, especially non-technical, you, you go in it with like, okay, I know I want to build a piece of software. Mm-hmm. Um, who's someone that seems reputable that can advise me and and help me get this built and Mm -hmm. and we often 
also assume that the idea we have at the start is the idea that's going to work. Uh, we have this kind of um, light bulb moment. Uh, and we think that great ideas are light bulb moments, whereas yeah. innovation is, is all about kind of testing many avenues. And, and the light bulb moment might be part of it. But actually, there could be something that needs tweaking and, and pivoting through that, that actually is the real great, great product. Um, but, but we go in with this light bulb moment and we say, hey, this is what came to me. This is what I'm, I want to do. Can, can we build it? And uh, a lot of agencies are, yeah, we are builders. So, you know, they'll say, yeah, we can build it. There's 20 different features in this list. That's fine if you can get your hands on 80,000 pounds or something. Um, sorry for anyone that's not using pounds. <laughs> <laughs> I always use pounds. Yeah, um, so about the same now, everywhere. Uh, Dollars the same, pound, yeah. That's true. Um, yeah, so they, they give you a number and it's like, okay, then these guys are the experts. Let's raise the money, start building the piece of tech. And then often you well, one, it's a big project, so that means more stuff can not go right in the process. Um, and it also takes a long time before you can really go to users in a lot of cases. Mm -hmm. um, and then once you, you get there, if you've not really gone to users, you've not de-risked and, and validated it at the steps, you run the risk of, of being there and nobody is really interested in, in what it is. There might be an element of the problem that they do want, but the solution isn't the right one for them. Um, yeah. And that's, uh, you know, it's, it's really sad, especially in the impact space where it's, it's, it's tough and mm -hmm. we've got a lot of stuff that we really want to achieve and, it, and it's important um, mm -hmm. that uh, to see that kind of funds and money going to, to waste is, is a real shame. Um, and it's happened so to lots of people. What do you think we should do instead? I mean, I, I think I would have gone into that as well. I, I have some, I mean, in our discussion for over those a few hours, you must have thought, oh my God, so many light bulbs, so many light bulbs going on left, right and center. And I wanted to implement everything and do everything at the same time, right? I think that's quite typical. So uh, what do you think we should do instead trying to avoid uh, wasting all our money? Um, what are the steps that you take? You use something called the design sprint principles. Can you explain a little bit about that maybe to our listeners? See how that works. Sure. So the, the design sprint um, uh, and the Google design sprint was developed at Google Ventures. Um, so they were trying to see, okay, how do we cut through the normal product development process, which can be, you know, I come up with an idea, I have these features, um, and then I, I, I send it off and I get approval from one person. And then and all of this kind of convoluted mass of different people that are not necessarily talking to each other at the same time and it, it really slows down the development process and then you know you're going out and validating small bits every now and then mm -hmm. um so that could take months mm -hmm. uh, especially at, at big companies um what they decided was why don't we just grab the important people and stick them in a room together for a week mm. and and think about it using design thinking um as as part of it so that's why it's got the design part it's now they've kind of enhanced it and they've added other elements, but, but design thinking is at the core, which is all about empathizing with your user and trying to understand them mm -hmm. and going from the user to the solution. And then you mm -hmm. can kind of see, okay, based on the solution, how do we make it into a business? Mm -hmm. um, 
and kind of that the so the business part comes in a little bit alongside or a little bit later yeah. than the actual solution for the user right. Um, right and and that's i mean that's been very successful for them and uh, they use it for a lot of kickstarting um, and i i try to take the the most useful elements for me mm -hmm. uh, and and i try to use use them so that's the principles that i i follow um, okay because quite often we build that business um, from the solution or from the business, we find a solution and then we build it sort of the reverse way in a way and try to find an application that works. Um, that's how I would normally think of it as well. So it's interesting to actually start with your consumers and customers. I mean, I should know this because from marketing, this is what we do. But sometimes from a business point of view, we quite often think of the business first rather than thinking of the consumers and the users first especially when it comes to tech um so now so what, what's the first step that you think that a um, a new founder should do if they are thinking of launching a a new platform or they're launching a new business what's the sort of step one um, that you would advise them to do and then from that where, where did it go yeah i think that's a good question I would start with the first thing is um, speaking to any friends or, or people you know that have founders already, because uh, starting your own business in anything is tough. <laughs> um, so making sure that you, you've spoken to them, you understand what journey you're thinking of even going down. And if, if you're um, mentally prepared for it, um, I've, only been on it recently but even you know even I, I noticed there's a lot of uh, challenges with it and, and I'm in the, in the service side if you're building a, a tech product then you know you've got a whole layer on top of that mm -hmm. um, once you've said okay I'm willing to go through this <laughs> sacrifice life work 24 7 <laughs> exactly yeah. Live, living living off instant noodles and <laughs> part of the journey um yeah, so what do we then do next um, in figuring out what to do with our platforms and our tech? Where do we start? So I always start with the problem. So trying to understand exactly what the problem is, uh, is, is really key for me. Um, mm -hmm. and, and that could be, you know, you start with a problem, they say, okay, um, I'm going to take the example that's really famous, which is uh, attributed to Henry Ford which is like, you know, okay, um, if I asked people what they wanted, they would have said faster horses. So we, we can start there and say, okay, people want faster horses. That might be the problem you identified as your, your light bulb moment, um, which is, is true. People do want a faster horse or they want to go somewhere, but it's trying to understand, okay, why do they want a faster horse? What is it that's blocking us from being able to have a faster horse, things like that. And then seeing, okay, where is the niche there? So maybe you have to take a step back and say, okay, it's actually not the horse. We want to go get, move between locations faster. Um, and then from there, you could come up with a whole slew of different solutions. It could be, uh, I want to go from here to another town that's blocked by a mountain. So maybe from that case, I would think of one possible solution is I could dig a tunnel, I could fly a plane, I could build better roads that 
move in a straight line over, straight over. And then what you do there, so now I'm actually going a little bit into the next steps. <laughs> so, yeah. um, so, you, so we've, we've gone in, we've done the research, we understand the problem and, and we try to make sure that we actually understand the right, we ask the right questions to really capture what the problem is. Because if we're in that example, if we're going with the wrong question, we're going to come out with solutions that are okay but they may not be the ones we really want. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we can get a good question then, and we understand the problem, then we start coming up with many different solutions. And, and it's that many different solutions that's really the great thing. That, that's why I really like doing design sprints. I spend a whole day on just understanding that problem and, mm-hmm. and trying to understand all the data, the people. If we've talked to users, getting an understanding of that. Because when we have that, then we have those solutions and that's when it gets interesting because using our example there um, digging a tunnel might be a huge problem because we don't have the money to invest in a a drill to go through that Um, but we may have the ability someone already we know has a hot air balloon Um, we could bring them in and uh, create like a a shuttling service almost as a start Um, and so what we can do then is we have solutions and we can start thinking about what do we have in our toolbox that we could, should, could, could do it with. Um, and that's, that's where I think there's a, there's a lot of fun. And, and that's what uh, I, I really like to, to do is then to try and think, okay, what, what are the tools we have in our toolbox uh, and how can we leverage them to, to get us a little bit further along to, to start validating it further. Um, so um, in terms of that toolbox that you mentioned, it's so mostly it's financial, I guess, budget, or, or are there any other tools we can rely on to get us from uh, having an idea or a light bulb moment and actually building something that is viable? Yeah. So budget is always like the big one. And I think everyone always identifies that first as the blocker. Um, and, and of course, it is a major constraint in anything uh, with a project. Um, but we also have, I always thought first that with uh, the project management triangle. So, you know, we've got budget, time, manpower, mm-hmm. and then also quality is somewhere in the middle. So you can move them about and how you how you play with them will affect what you can do. So if you're go for, and this is why, prototyping is the is the cool part Mm. if if you don't mind having let's say a bit more time to to delivery um, and the quality doesn't need to be perfect the first time which is really important at a startup and stage then you can play with that quality that gives you a lot more leverage on the budget and and the manpower that you need to do something with Um, so we we usually look at it as okay if we could play with the quality, what is a simple way we could try and deliver this solution mm-hmm. um, that doesn't cost us a lot? Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I've seen some really different things doing that. Um, first, before that, I would usually do user interviews to make sure that the solution is still in the right direction. So you can do paper mock-ups where you do hand-drawn examples of your, your solution. Yeah. And then if that still makes sense to users uh, and you've done user interviews that they, they're quite 
positive that, yeah, this is the right way to go. Um, I won't go into asking the right questions because that's a, <laughs> a whole yeah. kettle of fish. I'm sure you know that from like marketing and trying to yep. understand who yep. your user is. Um, yeah. But yeah, so so once then we say, okay, we have a, an idea that could work. Um, that That's quite interesting. So mm -hmm. I've seen teams going with the no-code route. It's mm. generally... I've been advising it a bit more recently for people that want something that looks quite technical and, and it is, but um, don't want to go into costly software development full on. Um, it's a good alternative. I've, right. I've seen some uh, interesting things come up. You have, of course, a little bit more limitation, but if you're going for a, a prototype, then that's okay. And um, yeah, the cost can be significantly lower than software development for that. Mm. but I've so, even I, sorry would you advise to always have, build a prototype first um, because then that may not actually um, match up with the actual platform you want to build in a way because it's like the no no code as a system might be different to where you actually want to go um, what, what's your advice on that yeah um I think it depends on how we define the prototype mm. and uh, probably it, it's quite good to think about it in, in, in different ways. So, so like I said, it's like climbing a ladder right. a little bit. So I, I usually say first start with interviewing, talking to people, yeah. then paper-based prototypes, which is just scribbling something down on, on paper of what it would look like. Mm -hmm. And then you can go for clickable stuff and then, and then something that's, like a, a technical prototype um it's important to keep it as close as you can to um, the key solution mm. so what i mean by that is often it we get distracted by the the things that add to the solution mm -hmm. and so we think okay this is good but having a, B, and C will make it better. So we should also include A, B, and C within the solution. Yeah. Um, but we forget that the real solution is not A, B, and C. Um, right, right. And, and so if we've done it right, if the user really needs it, maybe we can build a, a decent solution without, without adding those three. Mm. Um, and sometimes that needs some software. Mm. But if we can do it without using software, I think that's uh, a safer way to, to go about things mm. uh, instead of going in and heavily investing. So it, it is a case by case basis uh, to a lot yeah. of degrees, but uh, I, I try to keep it as, as de-risked as possible financially mm. because I, that's, that's quite hard to come back from. And if, if it doesn't work, we try and learn mm. and see, okay, what didn't work? Can we build a different prototype that's better uh, and, and fixes it? So it's very much sort of a learning process rather than just going in there, launching a platform and then see what happens. Um, that, that is your kind of approach, isn't it? Yeah, I, I used to lean a bit more, it's naive, but to think like, okay, we could do this process and, and we'll get it straight on the first time. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to, I'm leaning away from that now because I think that's uh, putting too much uh, emphasis on us to be perfect and I think uh it's not like that things will change mm. uh and, and we'll learn um so it's 
trying to to learn as much as we can before spending too much yeah. is is more of uh, how I'm how I'm tackling things now. But that's kind of how we work anyway. When um, when we do marketing, branding ads, we always test several ads first to see which one is performing better. Right? We don't just chuck all the money into one one ad and hope and just cross our fingers and hope it's going to work. It's all about research and then see, check the data really to see what is working and what isn't. So I yeah. think it's a nice approach, and especially for startups. Um, we usually we I mean for most startups I think we really struggle financially uh, initially before we get the the investments in so I think it's a really good approach and I like what you said about uh, building a piece of tech is easy but building a product that users pay for is hard and I think that's um, that, that's a good one to bear in mind I'm, I think I'm going to put that right in front <laughs> <laughs> it's really useful and, it, and not just a, a piece of tech it's actually a business as well um mm. it's philosophies that we will build so many things thinking wow that's amazing let's do it um i tend to do that a lot i just jump into things and go yeah let, let, let's do this it sounds like a really good idea but actually are people willing to pay for it and i think it's a it's a completely different um thing so um what lessons have you learned in your um sort of entrepreneurial journey now because you've gone through a few changes and a few job changes and so on and being an entrepreneur is quite different to working for someone else what have you learned uh, what do you think what would you like to share with others uh, who are thinking maybe of taking up um, you know starting their own business and making the jump because a lot of our listeners might be thinking oh maybe I don't want to lose my uh, maybe I don't want to um leave my job yet but I really want to do something that I'm passionate about or whether uh, some a purpose something that they believe in but they're not quite there yet or so yeah what have you learned what, what would you like to share with people who are thinking about um, starting their own journey in entrepreneurship which we of course love yeah no <laughs> I do love it I, I, I'm having uh I have had some great great moments so far um you know when I first, uh, and, and one of my friends said this to me, uh, when I first left kind of my old job and I kind of started out my own, it was quite unnerving because suddenly that steady paycheck that you uh, get in the end of uh, the month is, is gone. Um, and so you feel like, oh, okay, there's a lot of less security. Um, and in, in some sense there is, but I guess the last couple of months we've seen all these big tech jobs and you know so many people losing a job it, it drives home the idea that actually you know even in in, in any job there's no 100 security businesses go up and down all the time um so that's that's been one big lesson for me is that you know it's 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 not for everyone but doesn't mean it's 100 insecure and mm-hmm. or or that you have 100% security in, in anything that you're doing yeah. um, I, I think that's a, a bit of a misconception yeah. um, but it also is quite taxing on uh, on your mind sometimes I uh, had a couple of like early morning wake-ups just like boom wide awake thinking about things um, and and in those moments it's uh, having a really amazing support structure so I've had uh, the uh, the privilege of having some really am- amazing people in in my life that uh, you know I can reach out to occasionally or frequently and 
you know, I, I trust that they have my back, that they, they will give me good advice and uh, also just good sounding boards when you need to vent a little bit about frustrations. Um, yeah. yeah, a great support structure is, uh, has been hugely important for me. Mm. I think that's the thing, isn't it? When we're working on our own, sometimes we, we need that sounding board and that support when we are just feeling a bit stuck. I mean, I'm in all sorts of business mentoring groups and business groups and peer groups and, you know, for different things. Um, I think it's really, really important because otherwise, because when you're in a job, you can go to either your boss or your colleagues, but you don't necessarily have that in the beginning. Um, even when you do have a team, as a founder or a leader, you might not go to your team and say, hey, I'm feeling a bit stressed today. <laughs> I'm going to do it. So, yeah, I think having that in place is definitely important. Um, so are there any sort of, so um, you say have a um, support system in place. What else would you suggest that people have in place before they make the switch or what, what else have you learned along the way that you thought, I, actually, I wish I knew this before I started. <laughs> so, um, many. <laughs> so many. So many. So <laughs> um, I would I would do research. So my background was project management and product development. So I, I did not do much in sales. I did not do much in marketing. Mm. Um, <laughs> having a really have, do, do some homework on it and and try and get as much uh understanding not as much understanding as you can because then you might go crazy but yeah. have have a good uh foundation understand okay the basics of how the sales work um what are the different processes that teams use uh content marketing is that something you want to go down um start building that out um and just general marketing approaches as well you know um I'm learning a lot of that right now as in like today and <laughs> and this week and it's uh I think it's going to be hugely helpful for me I just wish I'd had that foundation five months ago when I first started and I could have uh, been building on it even from then um yeah I think, yeah yeah but that's a, that's a great um tip actually because I spent years when I first started my first business Mm -hmm. I didn't do any marketing for years. <laughs> I had a really, I love my products. Um, and that was when I had a fashion brand. Uh, literally, I'd create, the, spent all of the time and the money on creating amazing products, but I didn't spend any on marketing. So obviously the, the brand didn't sell as well as it could have done because I, I just didn't think, even think about it in, in that way. And we didn't really have social media as we have now. Mm. Uh, and that is actually what led me to starting my digital marketing agency because I see a lot of people still have that same thinking like, oh, I don't, I don't, I don't have time for marketing. In the meanwhile, they're creating amazing products and you're thinking, well, actually, no, just start your marketing early, right? Before you even start. So I think that's a great um, idea and tip. Anyone who's thinking of starting um, a business, start your marketing before you start. <laughs> then you have something. So. Yeah. Yeah. Great. So how do we, um, you, so you do like uh, design days, right? Design sprint days or how, how does mm. it work? How, how do we work with you? If you want to work with you, I have an idea. We already, uh, we spent hours discussing it. I've got <laughs> a new idea. So I might have to take a few more hours of your time. Um, you're going to love this one. Um, oh, okay. But um, so how do we work with you? And uh, yeah, how does that, what does that look like? And how do we get hold of you? 
Yeah. So the best way to find me is on LinkedIn. I'm there mm -hmm. mostly. Um, and just Joel. Yeah. Um, and, and I always like to start with a call because honestly, some teams don't need my help. So I'm not going <laughs> to bring you on if I, if I can't help you. Um, but if I, if I think I can, I usually start, if you've just got a fresh idea, you want to do something. I try to do short half day workshop where you just prototype. So it's, mm -hmm. it's touching on all the same points that we would do in a design sprint, but really compressing it down to get to a lean prototype that we just go out, test and validate. If, if we can get something that's working fast mm -hmm. and we know, then we can say, okay, we've got, we've tested this on a hundred users. They all liked it. If we can get them to spend money on it, perfect. Then we know users want to buy it and we can find the next step to just make that into a proper tech product. So then we mm -hmm. would go. Um, if you're more along or you've already started a bit in going into software, I do proper then design sprint, which uh, I usually take three days um, for. We sit down with each other and we just go heavy into understanding exactly what we need and building it out into a scope document for, for development. Um, so that's, I like to think of that as business requirements getting translated into technical requirements for for implementation um, okay. and then the other thing yeah and then the other thing that I do for a lot of teams is just jumping in uh one-on-one -on -one consulting and discussing things finding solutions together um, so yeah so this is when you have an idea and you already established uh how you want to build it and what kind of platform is that what you can advise on uh, on cons consult on as a one-to-one -one? Mm. yeah yeah it's it's often for teams that have gone down a little bit of the journey and then yeah. they're finding some struggles part way through it um it could be that they worked with a team that's not working out so they're trying to figure out how do we sort things out from here how do we get this wrapped up mm -hmm. um or it could be you know they've just had a bunch of problems in in development they don't understand what's not working in the product or mm -hmm. or how to get it back on track and so we try to problem solve together and it's as much help as they need or as, as little help as they need i try to be flexible there for, for them. Fantastic, I love that. And so if anybody is thinking of launching a tech platform or an app or something, get in touch with Joe, because as you can hear, he's amazing and he's got tons and tons of knowledge. I mean, I could talk to you forever. <laughs> we can. But yeah, I do have a new product idea. So I, I, will, I will find you on LinkedIn, Joe. Thank you so much for your time. It Thank was you. you today. Yeah. Likewise. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you would like more tips, ideas, and thoughts on how to launch, grow, and scale a purpose-driven business, and also hear from other purpose-driven entrepreneurs about their journeys, please follow the podcast. And remember, lead with purpose.